Do we want to go? Do we want to start? Don't say the episode number, right? Oh, yeah. We should make Dylan say it. Dylan, this is... And I have to... I don't know what number it is. It's episode nine. So, Dylan, it's going to be the first thing that listeners hear in the episode. You need to say it real nice, real special. Give it some pizzazz. Episode nine. Just say episode nine. Just just episode nine. Episode nine. Give me a few of them to work yeah. with. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Fire them off. Episode nine. <laughs> like that one. Mm-hmm. Put some staying on it. Okay, yeah. I'll do another one. Hang on, hang on. Episode That's a good one. Of One Hit Wonders of the World. Maxton, nice. we're back. Episode 9. I am here in Charleston. Do you guys know who else is here in Charleston? I am here in Charleston. You guys know who else is here in Charleston? I am here in Charleston. Who, and, and, who are, and who are you exactly? I don't yeah, believe have ever heard your voice on this program before. I don't know I who have, this is. I, of course, am uh, Trevor Ickrath. And naturally, I am Maxton Sinstra. But, but, who, but this third who, element in the mix. Who are you? In, in the words of the who, who? are you i'm dylan b flynn what? and together he and i are the <laughs> hallelujah <laughs> monkeys <laughs> i love it i love it this is my dream episode you guys i'm so excited to be here i feel it's not only just your dream episode it also feels like a bit of a like an exam doesn't it like a test <laughs> it does feel like an because, exam. oh right because here today we're we're here today to talk about a band that maxton you kind of learned about primarily from a, another podcast hosted by dylan and myself I in would, my opinion i feel like trevor and i are kind of in gorillas sure yeah we're, we're kind of like the fourth and fifth members <laughs> yeah Today we're here to talk about Gorillas and their hit single, Feel Good Inc. No, 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 no. It's actually Feel Good Incorporated. I'm sorry. I didn't yeah. I, I thought I thought I would just kind of abbreviate it just to save us a little bit of time. You know, I I, I think that's a pretty good idea, but I'll let you do that. Just, just, but just so you know, it's Feel Good Incorporated. Sure. That's what Damon says. Sure. Dark pop. Dark pop. I just say FGI. I don't have, I don't have all that time. <laughs> Lawless. <laughs> You seem like you're cotton mouthing a little bit. A little I bit. You got a lot of talking to do. Yeah, that, that, do you mind if I just make us a beverage really quickly? I'd be interested in that. Yeah, we're all in the same room. Do it kind of fast. I'm pretty thirsty, but yeah. And I and I found that there's actually a cocktail named after the song that today's episode about. So I'm just gonna try to make that real quick. Bullshit. No way. Yeah, here it is. Okay, here's how you make a feel good ink. Okay, I'm about to assemble a cocktail called a feel good ink. It's named after. Named after the song. Yeah. It's also I the gorillas one. Yeah, the gorillas one. I think it's also like a sly reference to like tying one off at the end of a hard day at the office. Sure. You know? uh, it, here are the ingredients. One part uh, lemon juice, one part simple syrup, one and a half parts dry vermouth, two parts Campari, two parts Blanco tequila or white tequila, and uh, one egg white. Triple all of that because I'm making three of them. Got it. It's all Greek to me. Oh, I got to get these chilled glasses out. <clears throat> nice. How fancy. Okay, step one. I take the egg white. I take the lemon juice. And I do what is called a dry shake. That is a shake without ice. About 15 seconds of work. Uh, this is to set the egg. I'm not sure what that means. 
Then I'm gonna add in my liquor next. That's part. Bam. And then three little handfuls of ice. And I'll say, I like dilution. I'm a pussy. <laughs> so I'm gonna do about a couple of 30 seconds in here. Trying to melt some of this water. The egg, by the way, shouldn't add any flavor. It will affect the consistency a little bit, but the main thing is that it mellows the taste out. Takes the bitterness down, takes the acidity down, and this will need to sit for a second after we pour to get that lovely, rich red color with that foamy top. Again, you're listening to the ASMR special of One Hit Wonders of the World. <laughs> Did I just eyeball that almost perfectly? Nearly. I mean, that one's a little lighter. A little, but like still, you got, I'm going to say you got 80% there. That's wild. Okay, great job. So now I can just wait and take some pictures. Dylan Flynn, Oregon's best bartender 2015. I'm a mixologist. Please use the scientific <laughs> title. Excuse me. Uh, and then I want to do a toast. Can I do a toast? Yeah. Yeah. All right, boys. Can we bring it in for a toast? I would love a toast. <laughs> the hazmats, fast cats, ass cracks, and camel's backs. <laughs> may uh, we turn together hand in hand, and may we always feel good. God bless America. Rest in peace, Murdoch Nichols. Rest in peace. That's not bad. That's okay. I like it. Not I, bad. I the, the egg white. Yeah, that's what I'm tasting. If I may grab a, a word. It's not as incorporated as I wish it was. No, no. All right, well, while we enjoy it, Maxton, why don't you walk us through your initial experiences and your uh, opinions of Feel Good Inc. by Gorillaz. In 2005, I was a nine-year-old, and I was, I was living my best life, and I was really getting into some weird shit, some weird music. I was turning on VH1, watching the music video countdowns. And um, there were three like real landmark moments for me in 2005. Uh, Kanye West's Heard Him Say, I love that one, that, that changed me. So did Beck's Girl, and this song is the third one. This is the third song. This song kind of opened me up to some horizons that I had previously been closed off to. My, my, my parents are not really engaged with a lot of uh, classical music, or at least they didn't really share it with me while I was growing up. And so I was way more interested in what was happening in, you know, modern times. I was so enthralled by new music. And um, these were three that have kind of particularly stuck with me throughout the years. And I can look back and recognize that as the beginning of of something in me that uh, kind of led me to where I am today. Interesting. I, I love that. I love this song. The song was really important for me. Um, I don't know, 2005 was really important for me. And this song just embodies that. Uh, how about you? Well, yeah, let me let me jump on that because I have a very similar story, actually. Cool. I also got into like VH1 and MTV2 uh, at a young age, around like 14 or 15. They would always be showing music videos after yeah. I got home from school. And I would get into the habit of just like watching those channels and making like VH8, VHS mixtapes of it. 
music videos with my VCR, just taping the ones I liked. Oh, I so identify with that. Yeah, I, I yeah. did that. I spent so a lot much. of my high school years taping stuff onto VHS tapes. I did that in um i was doing that in like elementary school except it was with the episodes of like foster's home for imaginary sure yeah Pokemon. i had those tapes too yeah. of course but maxton just like you there were like i can think of like probably like three videos yeah yeah that had really big impacts on me uh one of them was uh i'm not okay by my chemical romance cool yeah um, those Beck videos, yeah, those were all great. I would Such probably good say videos. my favorite was uh, Hell Yes with that breakdancing robot. Yes, that was so great good. Video. That was so good. And, the E-Pro one was really cool, too. But, but none had the effect on me that Feel Good Ink by Gorillaz had yep. on me. I mean, I I kind of vaguely remembered seeing one of their videos when I was like 11 on Toonami. Clint Eastwood. For Clint Eastwood. And I was like, oh, these guys are still a thing? But they look a little different now, you know? It looks a little more sophisticated, a little more yeah. mature. Um, and yeah, I was really taken. And, you know, flash forward to 2018, I'm like 50 episodes deep into a Gorillaz fan cast with my good friend Dylan over here. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just thinking about how absurd it would be to say that about a band like Blind Melon, you know? Right? But like, they, they sure. have the same... They have the same qualifications. I mean, I hear Blind Melon on the radio a lot more than I hear Gorillaz. Fair. I feel like I feel like the podcast about Blind Melon is like serial style or like S Town style. Yeah, like finding out what went wrong with that they guy. Down, they all drop at once. It's this like tragic arc. Yep. You know? All right. So, so Don, how about you tell us about your initial experiences Different and your opinions? Than yours. So. Different than your guys. Because yeah. I, I hear I got on the train for Clint Eastwood. I tried to keep the fire burning when during the dark times when. Pretty much everyone just assumed that Clint Eastwood is like a weird one-off Damon Albarn, like abusing his ability, his stance at the record label to do something silly and weird that nobody gave a shit about. Yeah. So my experience with Feel Good Inc. was that it came out, it popped big, and I was like, validation. <laughs> yes, Vindicated. my boys. Yeah. <laughs> You know? Yeah. I was so happy. That's so cool. So you were like the home team bringing one in. Fuck yeah. It was like we won the World Series, wow. man. Wow. It's still, I mean, like it's still the biggest moment in, in, in history. Totally. I mean, and like, and I see like whenever I see this song pop up in the wild, like recently it was used to great effects in um, that steamed hams meme like <laughs> yeah. that oh, was probably amazingly. the best one yeah that was the best probably version of that favorite, meme and i felt team. like my team had just won a game yeah, yeah like that's yeah. that's us we're doing it that's us we're doing it yeah that's exactly what's getting close for me yeah i i mean i still hear that song fucking everywhere wednesday i went to see a show and before that someone's pre-show music they'll get ink like it's ever it's Great. it's embedded. I, I, I feel like i rarely hear it in public oh i had oh, a, i had a, i had an encounter in the yeah. wild with it like less than three months ago Huh. Uh, when I went into a Forever 21 to pick wow. up a yep. blouse for uh, for my lovely partner Shelly, uh, and I was just like, "There it is, still great to shop to feel good ink." Yeah. All, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. all right, so that's our takes. Uh, do you want to get into the backstory? Yes, let's talk about the backstory of Gorillas, as told by. Maxton Stenstrom. Excited. I've always wanted to know a little more about this band. Yeah, tell me, what's the story? Here? I mean, like you they don't know they don't let people know who they are, right? That's right. They're cartoons or That's something. Is that a big secret? Yeah. That's right. It's all it's all a big secret. No. No. No? No, I lied. Gorillas is the brainchild of restless and prolific creative Damon Alburn from the United Kingdom. He's also responsible for fronting signature Brit pop act Blur, among a host of other lesser-known projects, one of which got him crowned a king of Mali. 
His Gorillas co-pilot is Jamie Hewlett, artist of the Tank Girl comic series, who handles all the music videos and cover art for Gorillas Records. Now, alternatively, oh. Gorillas began years, years, years ago <laughs> when a young boy from England named Murdoch Nichols was forced into the life of a performer by his abusive father, Hannibal. Is that so? It is. And he would go on as he grew up to uh, ha spend time in many bands, some of which were of his own creation, but none of which were very successful. Uh, and uh, he, he didn't really have any, any luck until he uh, uh, met the singer of a band that he would go on to collaborate with called Gorillaz. Wow. Uh, and also, super deep cut alternatively, <laughs> Jay, Jamie Hewlett was hired by a guy who wanted to make a TV show about a cartoon band, and then he stole the idea and brought it to his musician friend, David Alvarez. I always <laughs> forget about this, that the Gorillaz is basically the social network yeah. of music. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Monkey shines. Yep. Monkey, Monkey wow. shines. I'm so glad you guys are here to set my shit straight. Nobody like, talks oh, about that. Nobody though. talks about that. Really? Yeah. yeah. That's a very dark fandom That's secret. That's an extremely yeah. dark fandom secret. There is I a little. Love there that. is a little very sly reference to it in the band's autobiography, Rise of the Ogre. They're impenetrable autobiography. Impenetrable yeah. <laughs> <laughs> autobiography. But yeah, Murdoch met uh, 2D. Uh, I believe they met at. Uh, the singer's uh, his real name is Stu Pot, Stu Pot. Stuart Ooh. Pot. I believe they met at Stuart's at a music store owned by uh, Stuart's father. Yes, when Murdoch uh, when Murdoch's car came crashing through the storefront window mm -hmm. as he was attempting to rob it and slammed right into 2D, severing his eyeballs. Wow, yeah. and that's how that's why he only has one eye on that album cover, right? Well. Well, <laughs> listen to Halloween Monkeys for more discourse about 2D's eyes. We do eyes. need to do a whole episode just about 2D's eyes and the inconsistent rules. Yeah, yeah. I have a cork board at home. There's a whole thing. Let me tell you a little more about all of the members of Gorillaz. Sure. There's 2D, who's a sweet-natured dimwit. Yep, he was in a car accident. There's Murdoch, who's the embodiment of chaotic evil. Rest in peace. He's, yep. Then we have, uh, we have two more members. We have Russell, the rhythmic soul of the band, and Noodle, the secret genius mastermind behind their 2005 album Demon Days. Yeah, she pretty much wrote the song we're going to be talking about today. Yeah. yeah. Every character or piece of media I just presented to you has about a mile of lore about themselves. So forgive me if this episode is a little less than encyclopedic. We should also mention that uh, at the moment, the, the role of bassist is currently being filled by um, uh, Ace from Powerpuff Girls. Yeah. I don't want to go too into it, but we yeah. should mention it. That is a thing that's happening. Yeah. It's not happening on Feel Good Ink, though. No, 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 no. The, this is all Murdoch. Rest the, in peace. The Gorillas fandom is here to set shit straight, ladies and gentlemen. But Really, Max, and tell us, tell us your version of this story. Yeah, go ahead. Yes. So they had contentious beginnings. Damon and Jamie met in 1990 when Blur's guitarist Graham Coxon, a fan of Jamie Hewlett's work, asked them to interview their other band, Blur, that they had recently formed. I didn't know that. That's the, cool. Yeah. The interview was published in Deadline Magazine, home of Jamie's Tank Girl comic strip. Jamie initially thought Damon was arsy, a wanker. Despite becoming acquaintances with the band, they often did not get on, especially after Jamie began seeing Graham's ex-girlfriend, Jane Oliver. This is mm. all stuff I don't know. This is Me great. neither. Yeah, this is very good. <laughs> I'm learning. 
cool. So in spite of all of that, Damon and Jamie started sharing a flat at the Westbourne Grove in London in 97. Not just a flat. They would also regularly share each other's pants, I believe. They ah. did switch clothing, yeah. swap clothing. Mm-hmm. Same they're, size. They're adorable. Mm-hmm. That's pretty kinky, y'all. Oh, oh, what makes it kinkier, especially now that you say that, is that Hewlett had recently broke up with Oliver, and Auburn was at the end of his highly publicized relationship with Justin Frischman of band Elastica. Yeah. Bachelor's on the prowl. Yeah, Justin, Justine fucking destroyed Damon. I don't know any of those people. You gotta listen to 13, dude. 13? Yeah, for sure. Oh. Yeah. I secretly, my, I have a secret headcanon that some of the heartbreaking gorilla songs might be secretly about that Elastica girl, too. I think one surprise me. It might be the one that he goes back to when he needs to write about, yeah. you know, Interesting. Wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me. Mm-hmm. She got him into heroin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whoa. The idea to create gorillas came about when Auburn and Hewlett were watching MTV. Jamie said, if you watch MTV for too long, it's a bit like hell. There's nothing of substance there. So we got this idea for a cartoon band, something that would be a comment on that. Which is super ironic because one of the interviews I'm going to heavily pull from for this episode is from an interview with MTV. Also ironic that you and I both found out about this song through a music video channel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yes. is, it, is it ironic or is it part of the design? We're, yeah. like, we're going to make fun of the machine by entering it and using it. Guerrilla hey, warfare. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's really good. Um, so... The first millennial incarnation of Gorillaz featured Dan the Automator and Kid Koala on production duties with Del the Funky Homo Sapien and Miho Hattori as heavily featured guests. Their self-titled record came out in 2001 during the phase of the band they called Celebrity Takedown. The album sold like hotcakes in the UK, they won some Brit Awards, got featured in FIFA 2002, and rumors began swirling that a Gorillaz movie was in the works. Right, they even, I believe, I believe... Uh Murdoch, Tootie, Noodle, and Russell even relocated to Hollywood after the album came out to kind of personally write and oversee the movie themselves. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, it kind of broke up the band for a while, though. They yeah, were, it's not a phase of gorillas until a, like a movie or a TV show falls apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that was Jay- the first instance of that happening. Murdoch's mm-hmm. ego blew up, and they all had to disband for like a good couple of years. Yeah, and Jamie said that the film project had been abandoned. He said they lost all interest in doing it as soon as we started meeting with studios and talking to these Hollywood executive types. We just weren't on the same page. We said, fuck it. We'll sit on the idea until we can do it ourselves and maybe even raise the money ourselves. As a matter of fact, when you and I interviewed Gorilla's documentarian from that time, we asked him. Carrie Levy. Yeah, Carrie Levy. We asked him, is there any footage of, like, you know, stuff, pre-production movie stuff? And he goes... There is, but it's just studio meetings, and they're so boring. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. the that fact that they were boring is a big reason why they just gave yeah. up. Yeah, okay. Lost mm-hmm. interest. Yeah. Um, and I think it was after they exited the project that they brought in the actual band, right? Yeah. Yeah. Discussion question. I'm glad you guys are here for this. What <laughs> the fuck was this Gorillaz movie going to actually be about? And do you think it would have been good? The prevailing like narrative is that it was supposed to be something like this monkeys movie head right which is like real psychedelic and just them getting into almost weird narrative yeah just kind of episodic and like one situation after another Mm -hmm. Uh, like what the gorillas tv show would have been like if it got made last when it when it gets made what it'll be like when it gets made um but also in their impenetrable autobiography rise of the ogre uh you see some storyboards of uh Murdoch running over 2D and some early incidents in the band. So there's I think there's a little, like were, yeah. it feels like there's a little bit of evidence that 
the gorillas movie at one point one version of it could have been like the story of gorillas hopefully someday two handsome talented podcasters will sit down with gorillas lore writer Cass brown and get him on the fucking record to like tell me what that gorillas movie was in a sentence mm-hmm. Ugh, how yeah. nice would that be one day yeah so Thank God they didn't make a Gorillaz movie, because if they had, we wouldn't be in the universe where we could talk about what went right. Number three. Now, while Jamie Hewlett was working with his team on the script for the Gorillaz movie, Damon Albarn was still recording Think Tank with Blur, their highly publicized final album. By the time Damon was ready to start writing and recording material for the Gorillaz movie, the whole idea had already been scrapped. Although, ideas from the movie's script were still used, including the themes of being driven by ego and the world being trapped in an endless night. In spite of this, the album's main source of inspiration actually came about as a result of a train journey undertaken by Damon Albarn from Beijing to Mongolia, where he, his partner, and his six-year-old daughter spent a day traveling through what Damon calls a weird, unspoken, forgotten part of China. It was basically dead trees for as far as the eye can see. Dust bowls, loose earth rapidly turning into desert. There are little satellite towns in the middle of these semi-deserts that are absolutely on their knees, and it's the size of Europe, this area. And when you wake up in the morning with this nightmare in your head and it's blue sky and beautiful sand which looks fantastic now but was probably something else millions of years ago and that will happen to us in our lifetime it's coming it's coming the end of the world is coming the end of the world is he he got off that train and he was like man i have seen some shit we have to tell the people that this that death is going to spread over the earth call maceo alternatively (laughs) after the dissolution of the girls movie project uh 2d went uh back to his hometown in england and worked at his dad's fairground for a while russell hung out with um ike turner yeah quotes ike turner it might not have actually been him and Mm. ike turner's basement uh which is a place we've all been um ike turner's basement of my heart exactly um noodle went to japan and found out some more about her secret background military training and she also discovered that she could speak english murdoch went to mexico um was imprisoned uh got his doctorate in medicine (laughs) and eventually escaped from jail and everyone eventually reconvened at kong studios to find that noodle was recording an album that she was calling demon days to hear murdoch tell it he was sending her demos that were just him like muttering and singing yeah yep. humming he, humming the melodies so he claims that all of her supposed uh, demon days work was just based on his right right don't, don't get it twisted murdoch nichols rest in peace is the true mastermind behind girls it's his band yeah of course it's, it's his, his band, band. Jamie Hewlett was excited by the prospect of a second Girls album, saying, let's repeat the same process, but do it better. Because everyone thought it was a gimmick, and if you do it again, it's no longer a gimmick. And if it works, then we've proved a point. And instantly, all of us got excited. I can just imagine the, that phone call going like, yeah, Jamie, I was thinking, let's make a second Gorillaz album. And Jamie just going, really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think I, th- I think Damon got off that train and he walked back to his flat that he shares with Jamie. And Jamie was probably on the couch and he hadn't moved since the end of phase one. <laughs> Still watching MTV bitterly. Yeah, just jerking off and stuff. What are they, they going to show the, the 911 video? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
I feel like that's an important point in the creation of this album, 911. Let me talk about that real quick. There was a single that Gorillaz released right after 911 came out with D12. The, it was yeah. like recorded the day. But not Eminem. No, yeah, not Eminem. Sans Eminem. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah. gone. Yeah. Uh, it was recorded the day of or the day after. I can't yeah, remember. Uh, but 9-11 happened, and so they couldn't get on their plane, and yeah. so they went and hung out in the studio and made a single. And they sound pissed about 9-11. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're not happy The guy from it. the special shows up. It's, yes. it's a good track. It's an underrated little bit of a, a, a lost important. Like yeah, a definitely. The time, you know? uh-huh. And now... The, the, and, and it signaled a shift in what Gorillaz was for Damon Auburn, I think, Bingo. from a, a goofy cartoon takedown of the music industry to like a humanitarian project yes that yeah. was the first moment where damon auburn was making gorilla songs because he felt like he had to he yeah, had a message yeah. and then he made demon days which was like really in that vein it was like about yep. how the end of the world is coming and yep, 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 all yep. this stuff is messed up and feel good ink is this kind of one of the big centerpieces of that album i think yeah it's definitely part of the centerpiece mm-hmm. um so for the second gorillas lp he decided to go back from, to the drawing board and build a whole new team from the ground up starting with newcomer danger mouse as he was receiving attention for his 2004 mashup the gray album which superimposed songs from the beatles white album over jay-z's the black album and when you say he was getting attention you mean he was getting sued yeah yeah, yeah. he's getting two attention people, from lawyers yeah two kinds of people watching danger mouse very closely Nerds and attorneys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But but Damon yes. Auburn kind of plucked him out of that situation mm-hmm. and got him some diplomatic immunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he um Danger Mouse is a longtime Blur fan, and he this was like the first major label large-scale project that he had really been involved with. Yep. And he said he learned so much working on the record with Damon, and it was sink or swim. It was it was go time. Mm-hmm. This is he he is trial by fire, and he survived. And I think he really came through. I think Demon Days is an immaculately produced album. What a hard fucking job to cut your teeth on. Yeah. Like, if it was just a, a major label project with, like, a band with five members, mm-hmm. right? That's one thing. But it's like, okay, you're producing this Gorillaz album. Dennis Hopper is going to be here today. Yeah. And then tomorrow, Nana Cherry will be here. And Ike Turner. And then, and yeah, the, yeah. So crazy. Yeah. yeah. Like, a, okay, go ahead and lead this three-ring circus now. Mm-hmm, Very mm-hmm, crazy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely wild. Here's some Damon shade for you all about clearing out the band. Uh Dan the Automator wasn't busy, but the project just needed a different approach. <laughs> Danger Mouse, in my opinion, is one of the best young producers in the world. I think our first album was a lot more simplistic. It was virgin territory. Animated hip-hop, reggae, stroke rock, Latin rock. There's a lot more intricacy with this record. Interesting. <laughs> although, that although good Damon Shade. Although these days he's been known to throw some of that good Damon Shade uh, Danger Mouse's way. I recently heard a story of him recently sitting down with Danger Mouse and the two of them were playing some of the stuff that they were working on. Okay. And Danger Mouse, I think, was playing him like... Broken uh, Bells. What? Broken Bells? I, I can't remember. It was that or like... Shins guy. Might have been, maybe, or like it might have been one of the U2 songs. And I, Damon Albert just told him, like, I think that sounds a little M.O.R., a little middle of the road. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think they're super tight anymore. Mm. And you know, Danger Mouse isn't returning to produce the second... Good to the Bad and the Queen album. That's another project of Damon that oh he worked God, on. Oh my God, that makes me realize that that at the beginning of the of the the album cycle for Humans, Damon was talking about what a bad job he did producing 
Plastic Beach. At the beginning of the album cycle of the Now Now, he was talking about how he fought with the Twilight Tone too much and didn't want to have him back. It's not a phase of gorillas until David yeah. disowns the producer from the yeah. last phase. Yeah. Wow. Can't wait to see what shit he's going to talk about Simeon Mobile Disco. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> that was a great development we just made. Mm-hmm. So, um,. In the 2004 interview with MTV News, Damon said, the whole album kind of tells the story of the night, staying up during the night, but it's also an allegory. It's what we're living in right now. Basically, the world in a state of night. So the first single from the newly announced Demon Days LP is a little ditty called Feel Good Incorporated, featuring pioneering rap group De La Soul. I could sit here and read you accolades, but the single's been crowned with all day. But I think the most interesting one is that this is the only song in Damon Auburn's career to reach the top 40 on the Billboard Hot 100. Let me ask you guys a question. Sure. Just quickly do the mental mouth when I ask you this. Of all the, the hits you've covered on this show so far... Have any of them been this abstract or unconventional in their structure? I'm going to say no. You know, I want to say no, but like, really, just think about Who Let the Dogs Out. <laughs> That's a weird ass song. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty weird. But still, yeah. getting like, not only is. I can't. I, I are we gonna t- try to say what this song is about today? Because I don't fucking know. I mean, yeah. when I think about Feel Good Inc., I think about like you know, f- there's another song on the album called uh, "Don't Get Lost in Heaven," yeah. which is about you know uh, not allowing yourself to get lost in you know excess and pleasure and that mm. kind of stuff. Right, not, not sticking your head in the sand. Feel Good Inc. sounds to me like the place you go. When you want to get lost in heaven, so stick maybe, your head in the sand. Yeah, interesting. So and, maybe and and, and like I, I think continuing with Damon's like view of the music industry as this thing that just like kind of pumps out like garbage. Like Feel Good Inc. is the music industry, and what they're creating is this like saccharine, meaningless pop music that you use as the distraction from the like you know the real stuff that's going on that gorillas wants to bring you of course i don't know if any of those ideas are present in the actual lyrics of the song but like thematic it, it feels like i don't know semiotically yeah i can go with your read on what the track's all about mm-hmm. trevor even though maybe if we sat down with the text it would be hard to like really yeah. clearly point to yeah. why but then even structurally i feel like it's a song that just keeps kind of changing its mind about what it is it's so amorphous i mean like there are sections that don't repeat which is interesting for a pop song yes like uh that first uh very kind of shadowy uh almost like wrapped performance by damon for the first verse like we never get a second verse of that no no yeah he just sings for the rest of it and he and he makes the chorus different. he brings in that windmill chorus and then obviously on their first big single which i guess doesn't crack the top 40 but it's number like 54 Mm -hmm. but it definitely feels like it's lingered to the point where it feels like it's a it's a technical second gorillas hit yeah clint eastwood a a formula was established on that song where like damon sings a hook rapper takes a verse damon sings a hook rapper takes a verse but they throw that out here too yeah you know Mm -hmm. they they again don't go back to the well on that damon refuses to play by the rules we're we're gonna see that a lot in and and I think the way Feel Good Inc. continues to change as it develops is really indicative to like the kind of arcs and dynamics that Damon works with throughout Demon Days. But do yeah. you think he knew he had it when he had this when this one was done? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I, I, we're going to talk about that, but I do not think so. If you gave me Demon Days, like just completely blank, I don't know if I would tell you if I, I wouldn't 
point at Feel Good Inc. and go, that's the one, you know? Okay. Do you and think I, you point at Feel Good Inc. and say, sick baseline? Yeah. yeah <laughs> okay. so be, that's a good baseline. Yeah. Oh, right. Here's here's a hot take that I actually recently realized, probably just today. I I really I, I don't know like if it's just because of the history, but like if you ask me now, I don't know if I would say like Feel Good Inc. is in the is in my top like fifty percentage of Gorilla's songs. Oh, it might be on the bottom half. It might you. be one of my least favorite Gorilla's songs. Interesting. Yeah, I I get that. I get that. I mean, which is I love it, but you know I love Gorillas. Right. I have yeah. a podcast about this band, so obviously one of my lesser favorites of theirs is still going to be one of my favorite songs of all time Mm -hmm. but like yeah it might be in a bottom percent allow me to repeat myself the gorilla's cult runs deep Mm -hmm. (laughs) i mean i think that it's probably in the top 50 percent of songs for me but if i'm honest it's probably not that far up i would never consider putting it in like my top 10 or 20 no no i probably wouldn't nope this is i mean this is I'm just normie, but this is my favorite gorilla song. It's a lot of people's favorite. It's a lot of people's favorite gorilla song. Even a lot of people in the gorillas fandom, for sure. I would say. I know Feel Good Inc. is still their most streamed. Yeah, but culturally, has Clint Eastwood like secretly slowly eclipsed it as the as the signature gorilla song? I think people have started to feel more nostalgia for it than they feel. That's it. That's one hundred percent. Yeah, that's fair. I think he's got it. it. I think he nailed it. Yeah. Plus, it's also easier to sing along with. Yes. Yeah. It's a yes. much more accessible song. Yeah, it's like like the reason we don't hear people singing along to Feel Good Inc. is because it's just not an easy song to sing along you to. You got that windmill chorus. Everybody can join in You there. got yeah. that. Still, barely. And, like, it's, you, and, and here's the thing. Uh, I know one thing. Like I, I've read interviews about Clint Eastwood with Del the Funky Homo Sapien where like he talks about how he was really trying to write a hit. Oh, yeah. Like, he had recently, like, read a bunch of stuff about what makes a hit. And, like, he was like, I got to make it universal but specific. And, like, just it shows. Like, he obviously, his hard work paid off. That song has reached people in a way that Feel Good Inc. hasn't. And I feel like listening to the two songs, you can tell. But I want to know, because I I know this about you, Max, and I know that Feel Good Inc. is your favorite gorilla song. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if you can kind of verbalize what about it, like, makes it the big one for you. Because I feel like if you can, we might get a little closer to understanding why this moment happened. Mm -hmm. It, it's, I mean, first there was something about that bass line. There was something. Good-ass bass line. Murdoch, say what you want about him, but, like... He recorded some great bass lines. But I would say 50% of this song's appeal might be in that bass line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's awfully good. The bass line. That and the windmill chorus. People yeah, like the windmill the, line. The bass line is what put its hooks in me, though. And, like, the the I, I don't know. It made sense, like, listening to it around something like Beck. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. the verse to Feel Good Inc., it's just, like, it's not better than the verse than any of verses on Clint Eastwood but it's just the imagery that specifically melancholy town where we never smile and like the way that interacts with Damon's delivery of the first verse taps into a kind of I don't know like for me the like world nihilism of it is still what's that. resonating with I me. I totally feel that. Mm-hmm. And I think that I think that it's embodied super well in literally every part of the song. I think I think it's in that in that kind of sleepy first verse and then the beautiful chorus that makes us forget and that really that, 
parts the clouds and breaks through yes. like that windmill island in that iconic yes. video. And there's all these weird Albertisms in it, like he's saying don't know whack instead of don't know shit. Mm-hmm. And like all these weird like yeah. turns of phrase that are that are sticking out and being weird. Here's a weird when you were saying that, I, I have a I have a counter theory. It might just be the first twelve seconds of the song and how iconic they are. The yeah. laugh the feel good and the bass dropping in yes. is like such a hyped up way to start a fucking song. Yeah. It's like it's dopamine straight in your veins, man. When it starts on the radio, it sounds like nothing else. It's instantly recognizable and it's like three memorable, colorful elements yeah. right away. Mm-hmm. I love how when you listen to it on a, the album, it sounds like the kids at the end of Dirty Harry are going down a roller coaster. And like it, it, That's what it feels like when right it came right on the radio. Right into De La Soul's mouth. Yeah, right into Soul's mouth. Yes. And that's what it felt like when it came on the radio. It was the thrill of the evil laughter into the into the fucking little hi-hat, into the feel-good, into the bass line. The, it is instantly recognizable. And now it's compounding with the nostalgia. And it's it's just like no other pop song I think I've ever heard. And I think we kind of cracked it, up. Yeah, totally, like, totally. I, I remember how exciting that felt. Yeah. When the song was new. You know? I, I have another hot take to drop, though. Let's hear I it. don't think I particularly like the De La Soul feature in this song. Oh, disagree. I love the De La Soul feature. I'm, it's in this never song. really done much for me. I don't know. I think they would later on utilize them a lot better on, like, super fast jellyfish and moments. It's probably my least favorite of the three De La Soul. And it's definitely no Dell on Clint Eastwood. I don't even think it's a uh, booty brown on Dirty Harry. It's different, though. It is different. different. It is different. I feel like True Goy, and really it's True Goy's verse. Yes, I was going to mention that. Because, you know, because uh, Paz is there backing him up. Mm -hmm. But we actually kind of found out weirdly in that one interview around the time Humans came out that Paz came to the studio first, got to hear everything they were working on, and said... I want to rap on this song. And he chose Kids With Guns. And there's a still unreleased version of Kids With Guns with some kind of pause thing. And then Trugoy was supposed to come in and hype man for that recording. And then he got to hear a few tracks. And he's like, what the fuck is he talking about? Feel Good Ink is the jam. Let me write something real quick for this. Cool. And it does have that energy of just like, what it has is energy. Yeah. It's not about anything. Can't deny that. It's sticky phrases. It's, It's just kind of like, you know, words that sound kind of cool together. Mm-hmm. He's got a good flow going. He's like pushing the fucking pedal down as hard as he can. And that's kind of gorillas in a nutshell, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. kind of, he's doing the Damon thing. Mm-hmm. You yep. know? And, yeah. and maybe that's why this was the one, you know? Yeah. Maybe maybe Damon saw was like, you know what? That is the one that feels most indicative of this project. Is this the biggest moment in the De La Soul story or is it still me, myself, and I, though? Mm. That's, I mean, that's a hard one. Yeah. That's all. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I just no. going off my gut. I kind of feel like I mean, I definitely think they also will go down in musical history as the group that recorded Three Feet High and Rising, not uh, the group that recorded the Feel Good I Ink verse. Yeah. I will say that Feel Good Ink is the biggest moment of Macy's career. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. he does that laugh. He does that laugh. He does that laugh. It's the biggest thing. It's the biggest moment in the Macy's. I also want to give a quick shout out to the guitar on Feel Good Ink because it's, it's very mixed cool and, and subtle. It's, yeah, it's so subtle, but it's so inimitable. Yep. Because and it's very it, hard to replicate live, it, even for oh, the band themselves. Oh my God! Yeah. Yep. It's beautiful and perfect, and it hits the sweet spot, and it works with the bass in, like, in a way that is hard to replicate, like you said, even for the band. Yeah. And 
the, that also was an element that, while it's not instantly recognizable, it happens within the first five seconds of the song. If it wasn't in the song and you didn't know this, and you hadn't heard the song in a long time, you'd be like, "Is this like a what is? Is this a different version?" Yeah, you wouldn't be able to exactly say why. Yeah, you think yeah. maybe like your headphones are messing up and there was a channel missing or yeah. something, probably. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's a it's a it's a small but vital element. Yeah. I'm going to tell the story of the creation of this song from the perspective of a band member in album Mastermind, Noodle. Great. Fun. Noodle says, I remember the beginning of the formation of Feel Good Inc. quite clearly. I had a beat that was a little bit 80s, very upbeat, but maybe halfway through, my attention wandered. I played something more acoustic, just something that reminded me of the countryside. So I wrote down some keywords to help with this lyrical imagery. Windmill was one of them. It was a trigger to symbolize a different time and also a reference to the dark satanic mills that William Blake wrote about in his verse of Jerusalem. I remember that it all started when I was reading the ingredients in the back of a potato chip packet. Cass Brown. Cass Brown. <laughs> Fucking gorillas writer Cass Brown. What an amazing writer. Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> it was Danger Mouse that originally suggested De La Soul. He was good friends with them and sent them the track and they agreed to fly over. Although at first when they arrived, they were just messing around trying to make each other laugh. Fortunately, we recorded most of that and that's how we got that crazy sounding laugh that you hear on the track. The whole thing worked amazingly, but most of it was an accident. Discussion question. How true do you think that is? How much of that do you think is true? Well, well, we did we did just talk about how Feel Good Inc. actually came to happen. Yeah, a little. We talked a little bit about it. Yeah. A little bit about it. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, how how nerdy can we possibly get? Because there is that one moment where Damon does a crazy laugh. Yeah. Uh, in the in the little scene BBC documentary from the first Gorillaz album, Charts of Darkness. Darkness. Yeah. And I have like he does this laugh. This this like insane man laugh in that yeah. There's a bit where he and Jamie are being committed to a mental asylum, and he's on a stretcher being pulled away laughing. And, and it sounds so much like exactly the feel good exactly like the feel good in class. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, this was 2001. And like the secret headcanon, I think that maybe you and I both developed was that what if what if Damon had like a scratch version of that laugh, and, mm-hmm. and Mazio like was supposed to do his version. Yeah, or if Damon was coaching him how to do it. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I've always wondered. Mm -hmm. I've always wondered. I I just want to point out, Cass Brown, the writer of Gorillaz, in that that wonderful little (laughs) bit about potato chip bags and like what the windmill allegory is, you know that Damon was no help for any of that. Because anytime in an interview somebody asks Damon what a song is about, he just starts going, oh, uh, I I I just kind of said the first thing I could think of, and if it sounded right, I let it stay. You can't get isolated if you. (laughs) 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 That could have been no help. Okay, so I think that covers what went right. Uh, Max, do you want to talk about what went wrong? We're not quite out of what went right yet. We got to talk about the music video. Fuck yeah. Great. The integration of computer-generated imagery with two-dimensional animation is more seamless than in previous Gorillaz video, creating a more textured, layered effect. At the beginning of the video, while the camera is rising up from the Feel Good Inc. tower, a sample of the Space Monkeys dub of Clint Eastwood entitled A Fistful of Peanuts can be briefly heard. Nice, nice, little, nice, little, um, nice little Easter egg. I hope you are not going to take us through the video second by second. <laughs> no, I'm not. Because <laughs> that was a really, really minute detail to throw in there. Tell me a story. 
<laughs> the main themes of the video are intellectual freedom and the media's dumbing down of mass culture. I guess so. That's what I was talking about. In the video, 2D yearns for the freedom to join Noodle on her floating island. The characters lying on the floor represent those who have already been dumbed down, while the band members are the ones who have been awakened. 2D, 2D is trying to wake all the people from their half-dead state by yelling at them through his megaphone in the style of a political activist. What a dick. Yeah. Everybody's like yeah. all hung over. Yeah, you're at a you're at a you're at a debauched orgy. You're kinda of waking up and there's some asshole yeah, talking asshole, through a megaphone. Asshole number one screaming at you through a megaphone. Asshole one sits down at asshole two sits down at a drum kit. Yeah. Just a, bam, bam. I would throw myself out of that fucking window. Yep. But then, you know, parting the clouds and coming through oh my God. is noodle on that Miyazaki-esque anime as hell. Windmill Island. Yeah, the floating island is chased by ominous helicopters which closely resemble Korean War era Bell H-13s, monitoring the behavior inside and ensuring that no one escapes. It's unclear whether they're trying to prevent Noodle's escape or chasing her away. Mm. Mm. Back in the tower, De La Soul appears larger than life, seemingly omnipotent images on surrounding television screens laughing at the Gorillaz band members. Their taunting drives 2D in a wild hypnotic frenzy as he tries to resist the urge to be dumbed down. I wish that they'd done something different with them. I think it's okay. It's, it's okay, but like, how cool would it have been if instead, like... They were animated? Or yeah, or like, what if what if like a fucking Godzilla-sized true boy started like tearing up the tower? You yeah, know? that would have been fun. Yeah, <laughs> sick. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel you. I feel you. Yep. At the end of the video, 2D appears beaten by his surroundings, and he returns to the state he was in the, when when the video began, repeating the words "feel good" until the video finally ends in an exact reversal of the intro. The repetition of "feel good" represents the 2D is convincing himself to believe that everything is okay, as if he is brainwashing himself to believe it instead of facing the harsh truth of the situation. Great. Yeah. 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 I mean, I almost, yeah, I, I almost think that this one was chosen to be the big single because Damon knew how ironic it would be. You know, it's a song about like yeah. these consumer pop songs and like yeah. all they're really doing is telling you to feel good, feel good, feel good, and. That's what Damon just keeps repeating ad nauseum. That's true. Yeah, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. And the music video for El Mignon is a continuation of this video depicting two helicopter gunships catching up to Noodle's floating windmill and attacking it. The less we say about it. Yeah, we don't need to get into that. <laughs> Word. And now it's time for a different what went wrong section. Interesting. This, this one is a little interesting because I genuine, genuinely believe that Feel Good Inc. was a shooting star of a pop song. The long and short of it for me is that Damon Auburn never truly intended to write a hit pop song and refuses to dilute his id or play by the rules in this project in order to ever try to do so again. The first single from their next album, Plastic Beach, Stylo, was even further from conventional, and that's the only way Damon would have had it. What went wrong is that Damon refused and refuses to play by the rules for sales. And so far, though, the narrative with both his bands continues even now he still hasn't been able to once again crack that damn billboard top 40 though in 2018 he did crack the top 100 again that's actually a really good take alternatively alternatively shortly after phase two brock rolls back to fame they uh found themselves plagued by a bit of a hanger-on named uh we jimmy manson a bit of a (laughs) A cult figure who would uh, <laughs> who, who who would go on to manipulate Murdoch and, yeah. and scheme with him yeah. as a way to uh, uh, get Noodle out of the picture so he could replace her as a guitarist. No way. Together, him and Murdoch came up with a plan to trap Noodle in the floating island for the Elmanyani music video shoot and blasted out of the sky under the pretense that it was a music video. Oh shit! Right, right. But what Murdoch, God bless his soul, was really doing 
was pulling one over on Wee Jimmy Manson, who ended up trapped in the windmill himself wow. as Noodle parachuted to safety. Isn't that wow. right, Dylan? Yeah, that's what's in there. Except alternately. <laughs> oh, no. Unfortunately, alternately, in phase three, I guess the decision was either nobody wanted to go back and read that chapter too closely or maybe Cass Brown was just like, I have a better idea. And they kind of did some serious major retconning and they decided that uh, maybe Murdoch really did like kill or attempt to kill Noodle. He felt sad about it. He built a robot of her to take her place. <laughs> he kidnapped 2D and brought him to an island. Also, maybe to really, like, amp up the creepiness of their already kind of fucked up father-daughter relationship with that, like, <laughs> robot doll version of her. Mm -hmm. Really uncomfortable. Yeah. And then and then she shows up with, like, a scar. The real noodle shows up with a scar looking for vengeance. Riding and on then, top of Russell's head, who is a giant because he's eaten so much ocean garbage. And then just when Noodle shows up to face down against Murdoch Nichols and his robot soldier, everybody runs out of money and the story ends. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Yeah, that's that's how it happened. That's a, what a cliffhanger. <laughs> so let's talk about what came next. So let's talk about what came next. The album the song was released on garnered countless accolades is often cited as one of the greatest albums of its decade. And the Gorillas have gone on to have a long and storied career with further albums like Plastic Beach, Last Year's Humans, and This Year's The Now Now to continue feeding their ravenous cult following. There's enough information in their story to fill a whole podcast of their own. Maybe if someone did that, they want to call it something like Hallelujah Monkeys with a Z instead of the S. It's really a shame nobody's done that yeah, yeah. someday somebody will <laughs> someday mm -hmm. hopes for a gorillas film were revived in 2006 when hewlett stated that they would be producing the film on their own film producer and the weinstein company co-chairman harvey weinstein was said to be in talks Ooh. with damon and jamie That's you know you, you know i know a lot has been said about uh <laughs> Uh, Big Bad Harv, as he liked us to call him in the industry. But <laughs> I, Scissorhands was another one of his nicknames. Yeah, but but you know, I I saw I, I saw him picking up his kid one day from school, and he just seemed really nice. You <laughs> <laughs> can just tell he really cared about that kid. Yes, don't believe the fake news. No. Listen to the primary source right yeah. here. And now, in a September 2006 interview with Uncut, Damon said that the band, quote, has been a fantastic journey, which isn't over. Because we're making a film. We've got Terry Gilliam involved, but as far as being a big band and putting pop music out there, we're finished. We won't be doing that anymore. Maybe now that Terry Gilliam finally got his like legendarily troubled Don Quixote movie made, mm -hmm. maybe yeah. now he's like, time to go back and finish <laughs> the other great work. <laughs> the we Phase 2 Gorillas movie. We can only help. <laughs> we can only help. <laughs> Guys, we made it through the story of Gorillas from beginning to end. It does definitely feel like the the place that Gorillas occupies in the culture now could not really be more different than what it occupied when Feel Good Inc. was happening. Yep, absolutely. Not. Yep. Yeah, it's it's a cult now. It it's was it wasn't now. it wasn't a cult then. It's a cult now. And I remember when when Humans got announced after. By the way, Gorillas like behind the scene breaks up at a certain point. And gets yeah, yeah. Uh, Damon and Jamie had a fight at the end of Phase Three. Yep. they broke up for what, four years. Real yep. messy. Real messy. Yeah, I remember um, when when 
Humans was announced before it dropped, there was so much goodwill out there. So yeah. many just normies out there saying, oh, a new Gorillaz album. Awesome. Fun. There, there had been some goodwill that developed. Like, it wasn't a hit at the time, but there was a song on the third album on Melancholy Hill that had become like a, a low-key streaming a hit. hit. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and even surpassed... Uh, the 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 number three most streamed gorilla song at that time, which was Dare, which was a huge, a hit huge in, in uh, yeah, Europe. UK number one single, big hit in Europe, big big dance song in Europe. So it kind of felt like you know maybe maybe gorillas were poised to strike, and then humans came out and it really alienated a lot, yeah, a lot of people. Of people. Yeah. Yep, they did yeah. not really like it, but it did win um, what? Oh, it won. Uh, gorillas won best British band, yeah. Brit Awards at the Brits. Yeah, so. I think Q said it was the number one album of the year. Mm, yeah, yep, you, yep. you, yeah. Welcome to the resistance. The cult is back in action, mm-hmm. baby. Yeah. So let's talk about the covers and versions of the song. I have one alternate version of the song to play for you, and ten covers. Sure. So I'm scared. Is let's... the alternate version Noodles demo? Ah, uh, no, but it should be. No, it check it out. It check it out. Yeah, it well, yeah. You don't I need to. It. But yeah, <laughs> it's got that that stupid string thing that keeps having. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, but Max, let's hear what you got to play for us. All right, so the first version of the song we will be listening to is by Gorillas featuring Stephen Colbert. Oh, oh shit. late show with Stephen Colbert. It's normal until the rap part starts happening. Mayonnaise. <laughs> He's wearing a fursuit. Yeah. Not not a not a fursuit, like a furry fursuit. He's wearing like a... <laughs> He's not just Pikachu. No. <laughs> yeah. No. I, I, Let me make that clear. I didn't enjoy this when it happened, and I don't really enjoy it now. I don't like the timber of his voice. Yeah, he, he, sounds, he sounds very nerdy. He sounds very very much like a mayonnaise attack. Mm-hmm. But and I respect it as a... As a fan having a little dream come Sure, yes. absolutely. Yeah. So what you got next, Maxim? All right, uh, it was a good first one. So let's get into the covers. Here's a version of Feel Good Inc. by the Kids Bop Kids from Kids Bop 9. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Still long. It's pretty funny. What are they saying? What are they saying? They're, they're doing some kind of version of that like weird noise they I hear that, shit shock. Yeah, shit shock. I'm sure it's shit shock. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> what they're saying. Yeah. What did they say instead of ass crash? Oh, let's find it. Let's find it. I want to hear the kids come in first. Okay, okay. I thought. No, they got the adult to do this. Yeah, I don't know why. Oh, I couldn't tell. I don't want the stupid adult to do this. I can't kids do the rap. There's one adult. Well, yeah, the way that these kids rap songs work is like sometimes if there's a guest rap or something, go an adult do it. Some dude do it. Yeah. Let's find find out about ass cracks. I want to know what they say instead of ass cracks. Laughing gas these ass cracks, ass cracks, lining them up like ass cracks. Ladies, ass cracks. Yeah, ass cracks. All right, next. Next, we have a cover by Luca Stringanoli. Not familiar with this one. Don't know this. 
Oh, this is a guy who is uh, this is some of my favorite shit, uh, which is fingerstyle guitar. He's playing a three, a two neck and a bass neck fingerstyle acoustic guitar and bass. This sounds like some YouTube shit. Yeah. A lot of my covers are YouTube shit, but they're awesome YouTube how, shit. How yeah. how pretty is he? Uh, he's like a he's like he's a he's a seven point five. He's some nice chest hair going on. Okay. He's a good-looking guy. I mean, this is fine. I would never, ever listen to this. I like this. If this coffee happened, shop if this happened at a coffee shop in front of me, I'd be very excited. <laughs> yeah, no? yeah, sure. Yeah, what's next? All right. Oh, I want to go ahead and establish a rule right now. And that I, is... I didn't listen to any Feel Good Ink covers, but I have a feeling that when white folk be covering Feel Good Ink, a lot of times they're just going to skip... The rap? The De La Soul rap. And I feel like any, okay. any version that does... No, I can absolutely hear some white girling. In the spirit of that, I would like to play this guy's interpolation of the rappers. It's pretty impressive. Okay, yeah. Yeah, sure. I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> sure. Again, really cool. Definitely a highlight on the Starbucks CD. <laughs> <laughs> Roast me, Trevor. Clearly a lot of work went into that. Yeah. Though, I know, right? A lot of work also went into this next cover by a very similarly named musician. Uh, Leo Morishilioli. Mm. It's a metal cover. Oh, I could be into that. <laughs> do they do the laugh? Yeah, they do the laugh. Cool. I, I just, might be here for this. Yeah. Here, we, here we go. Frogly Studios. Here we go. Oh, they don't do the laugh. And this sucks. That immediately. I what he does with the name. Oh, it's, it hasn't kicked in yet. It hasn't kicked in yet. Yeah, this sucks. <laughs> I want to hear the David bit. You, you want to get some attention to David? Yeah. yeah. Down. 30 million views on YouTube, don't lie. Thumbs down. I want to hear I want to hear him cookie monster that Damon bit. And I want to hear a guitarist doing a metal version of that spidery textural. That'd be guitar. pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, that'd be sick, but this is bad. Yeah, this is this is pretty bad. What else you got? Let me see about the it's five minutes. I want to see if they do the rap. Right. Oh yeah, let's find out. What do you want to bet it's just that same guy doing it in basically the same cadence as the Damon? Wouldn't surprise me. That's it's more like what I want. Yeah. All right, but what's next? Yeah. Um, next up, we have a cover by Celia Pavey. I'm here for it so far. Easy she listening. really goes straight to the windmill part. Yeah. Well, the city's breaking down. On a camel I don't bed. like this. Yeah, the vocals are in it for you. Again, more just coffee shop shit. I'm not. I'm not sure. Yeah. Skip deal in a second. So you feel the streets, it's it's kind of nice, right? You won't get out of I like it more now, what she's doing now. Mm. I, I like the fact that she's not locked into Damon's cadence. She's yeah, it's, it's nice to hear somebody mix it up. I like that too. Now, does she do the rap? Because that would be something. Yeah. Let's find out. She does! Oh. 
kind of. This counts? This counts. Yeah. Okay. This counts. I feel like I feel like the real cop out is that you don't even do it. You do the first, you do the windmill chorus, maybe even do the first verse again, you know? Yeah. So I think she's adding some stuff. Yeah, she's making her own. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. I like that. Yep. So I, it's I, next. I, I, I don't thumbs down that one at all. I'm okay with that one. I think it's the best one so far. Yeah, cool. sure. Cool. Cool. This is uh this is one of my favorites. It's a cover by a band called Sappy from Russia. Okay. <laughs> this sounds like a shredded version. <laughs> so good. No. <laughs> I like it. Oh, I love this. I like his guitar chords. I like the fact that this guy. What is, is this? What is this percussion that I hear? It's a, a, what's that box you sit on and play percussion on? Cajon. Uh, He's on a cajon. It's, it's a guy in Russia with an acoustic guitar, one of those hats that go over your ears, and then another dude with sunglasses who's looking really hard at the wall and playing cajon. Great. Wow. Great. This is my favorite so far. I like this one so much. Yeah. He's really killing the windmill part. Yeah, they're yeah. having fun with this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, what's up? What's All up right. next? Next, we got a cover by Thea Magia. You're going to hate this. Yeah, this is still more Starbucks covers. This is very Starbucks. Is this the, is this the like, famous on YouTube band that does, like, old-timey jazz covers of popular yes. songs? Fuck. Yes. I think they did a bunch of shit for, uh, for that video game where you go to a racist city in the sky. Oh. The Bioshock one? Yeah, I think they did, I did, I think they did some covers for that soundtrack. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I'm not here for this. Yeah, yeah. no, me either. It's, it's probably Aren't we all trying to get there, though, that great big racist city in the sky? <laughs> Yeah, Noodle will be sitting on the edge of it, and then they'll be like, an Asian, and they'll kick her off. Oh, God. <laughs> God. All right, now here is a cover of Feel Good Inc. on the Automaton. What's that? It's that, 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 um, it's that, that instrument that you, pre it's a, it's, a, it looks like a, a note with some, with a face on the, on the, on the end of it, and you squeeze the face to make it make a <laughs> I literally have no idea why you're playing this for us, but go ahead. <laughs> because it fucking slaps, Trevor, that's why. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah. This is yep. awesome. Sure. Although I'm pretty sure this is just a MIDI track with a fake instrument that's made to sound like the automaton. Mm -hmm. But I'm gonna let it slide because I like it so much. Yeah, it's very dumb. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, very dumb. Do you have a version it. that's uh, uh, dogs barking and cats meowing <laughs> to the melody? <laughs> I'm sure it exists. I'm sure it is. I'm very shocked it's not in the queue. <laughs> so next we got it covered by the Vitamin String Quartet. Oh, I love this one. So good. Yeah, I remember this. This, this one's awesome. I'm glad you know this one. It's no, really I was kidding. 
Fuck you, Trevor. <laughs> I like I like a string quartet and compilation yeah. pop song. Yeah, they can be fun. They're cool. I downloaded a bunch of them before. They're they have a lot of good ones. Didn't Kronos Quartet do all of OK Computer at one point? I believe so. So yeah. did Vitamin String Quartet. Actually. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. You know what I like? I like those uh, long form reggae reimaginings of uh, classic rock albums, yeah. like Dread Zeppelin and like Sgt. Yeah. Pepper's Lonely Dub Club Band or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's a thing. Yeah, it's a it's a real thing. Did they try to do anything with rap? Oh, I, let me see. I doubt it, but... I mean, it's probably... Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. The same thing okay. every other instrumental cover has I done. I mean, yeah, but whatever. They're, They're working with those kids. Yeah. All right, we got two more to go. We got one by Lawrence Pinoyski. I can't believe you haven't hit any of the ones I know. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this dude is from The Voice of Germany 2016. Hate it. <laughs> oh, this is the worst one. This is the worst one. <laughs> oh, boy. Wow. Germany doesn't have it, huh? Nope. <laughs> this ain't it, sis. <laughs> I gotta hear what he's doing with the, with the, the rat there. I gotta okay. hear what he's doing. Okay. I'm sorry. Are they gonna let him do it? Oh, he skipped it. He's the, He's the cop out. Coward. I knew it. I knew there wait, was going to be wait, a... Wait, 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 wait. I mean, it sounds like Ed Sheeran. <laughs> He's like my like least favorite person on the planet. He does, yeah, like he does do it, though. I, yeah. I, can't, I can't take it away from me. Just you know, n- none of them turn their chairs, so maybe it's just bad to everybody. Yeah. We have one final... Beautiful cover left to go. Okay. This is the one I was This is the telling. one you've been hyping up for This is the days. one. All right. Yeah. So do you want me to guess what I think it is? Yeah, I do. All right. So there are two There are two covers of Feel Good Inc. that I know that we haven't touched on. Okay. And neither of them feel like something you would get very excited about. Okay. One was by like a flash in the pan post-Britpop band called The Editors. And I believe they did it in a radio session. And towards the end. I remember they, this. And it's really boring. Towards the end, they go into their own song and it's really blah. I yeah. probably listened to it a couple times when I was a teenager just because I was such a devotee. And the so what's second, the other one? Okay, fine. Two more that I can think of. Right, Actually, hear. three more. Okay. There's the one, and I'm going to go into them by probably like the least funny to funny. Okay. There's the one from okay. the, uh, at one point, somebody approved a, uh, Smooth jazz covers of gorillas uh, album. Sick. Please send that to me. I need to put, I need to put it Okay, so it's not that one. That's great. Sick. Um, there was also like something that I mistook for the phase two like a come home when I was a young and naive teen. Oh no. Which was like a hip hop tribute to Demon Days. I remember this Ooh. one. Remember that one? That one was really bad Ooh. yeah that was like that was like uh uh spotify camping before spotify existed pretty much you know? and then there was another tribute to gorillas album that came out around the same time that uh had just like it looked like the demon days cover but it had four different colored monkeys faces in each one and I've i remember that album being a real atrocity okay and that's <laughs> if i had to guess if it's any of those four it's that i think one. it would be that one okay but I don't think it is any of those four, is yeah, it? Oh, for four. Okay, so tell me, what is this big, big <laughs> hilarious cover of Feel Getting that you've been looking forward to showing me for days? Hit me with your best shot. <laughs> it's, it's, 
It's awful. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's a cover by the duo of Shane and Noel from the Westview Talent Show 2013. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Ages? Them guns. High school. Them guns. Them guns. Oh, no. I've seen this, like, once. I've never seen this. Them Have you seen the equivalent? This is the shredded Have you seen the, the equivalent Clint Eastwood of, at the anime convention with the guy in the Dell pursuit? No. And he falls off the stage oh halfway through. <laughs> my favorite performance like this is um it's like two kids, like they look like it must be in eighth grade. Right. And I think they're covering Buddy Holly by Weezer. Right. One of them's on a guitar and one of them's on a piano. And they're like, what's with these home? And like um the one like goes to start playing, but his keyboard just falls and smacks on the ground. The best part is yet to come though. Do they do the rap? Yeah, they do the oh, rap. Oh no. Yeah, they do the rap. The other guy who I only laughed is gonna do the rap. Right, right. I gotta hand it to you, Max. That was truly a fitting finale. Thank yeah. you. Wasn't overhyped. It was just. Yeah. It was the right amount of hype. It was just the right amount. Let me right tell you what happened there. Let me let me tell you what happened there. What were their names again? Huh? What were their names again? Shane and Noel. Okay, so Shane calls Noel. Hey, did you see this? Going to be a talent show? Yeah. We should do feel good egg. This is this is four months before. Then they get together to practice zero times. <laughs> Shay goes, no, when are you coming over? It's cool, man. I know the song. I know the song. We'll be ready. It was the it was the death of their of both of their social careers in high school. Yeah. That was it for them. Oh my god. Do you want to talk about our attributes? <coughs> yeah. God. Oh, I feel good. Um, at the end of every episode, Trevor and I make attributes for each song and rate the attributes on any scale that we want. It's got to be the same one per episode, though. And um, I'm excited to do this one. Trevor, what you got? I actually have decided to go the binary route uh, oh, for, for, for this um, for this go around. You know um, I love it. So I'm going to be telling you uh, whether these attributes make me feel good. <laughs> Or feel bad. Good. Right? Awesome. I was thinking about doing that. So, so that that just great iconic Damon Albarn slash 2D first verse. Yes. That just sets the fucking mood. Yep. Yeah. I think that does a lot. Like the 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 lifting that that verse is doing is a lot heavier than a lot of people give it credit I for. Agree. Sure. Like you see a lot of people pay attention to the windmill chorus, but I've always preferred this first verse. Totally. So I'm gonna say that verse makes me feel good. Good. Right? Yeah. And uh, I. 
you can't have a discussion about Feel Good Inc. without talking about that fucking iconic baseline by oh, rest in peace oh. Murdoch Nichols. R.I.P. That baseline makes me feel good. Yeah. yeah. I got into this a little in the show. You know, Gorillaz is a band that loves to bring in uh, some classic rappers to hop on their track and deliver like iconic performances. Not sure if this De La Soul one gets there. And I'm even oh. going to go so far to say that this De La Soul feature makes me feel bad. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. But I will say that like probably like this song never would have gotten the attention it did, I think, if it wasn't for that iconic video. Yeah. And just yeah. like the thought of playing acoustic guitar on a floating anime windmill island Makes me feel good. I feel right. you. Yep. I feel I you. I fucked up and did attributes. Do you? Would you oh my god! Yes, I want attributes. Official Howley Monkeys attributes. Let's we do can, this. We can do them quickly. They won't no, take. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Do it. Uh, I decided to tell you how I feel about each of these elements with a laugh. Great. Okay. Great. Great. Very Dylan Flynn. The um, other. Yeah. The other thing I thought about doing. Yeah. I'm glad yeah. I didn't do yeah. it. They're all. We, we've covered all the bases. Yeah. yeah. Yes. That that interesting textural, spidery, and hard to replicate live guitar. I give a <laughs> very good. That uh, that memorable, if hard to wrap your head all the way around windmill chorus. I give a <laughs> and uh, that that unforgettable bassline. I give the full. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Great, great, great. And Maxton, what are your attributes? My God, I, I must have done the only thing here that nobody else did. I picked, um, my scale is the uh, floor of the Feel Good Ink Tower. From Love it. One to 100. I like oh, it. Oh, intelligent. <laughs> very, very good. Thank you. Uh, so Damon's mumble rap before mumble rap was a thing. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Good point. Right? Let's point that out. I will say it it's very good. Not one of the best parts of the song. 50th floor. Sure. Uh, the acoustic guitar chorus break and that great vinyl noise that starts it off. Like that little oh, there's yeah. a little rack. Oh my god. I, I've always heard that as the answering machine tape. Love it. Totally. Yeah. 85th, you get that floor. Beat. 85th floor. 85th floor. 85th Love floor. That. We're up there. Uh banging. Double pitch down bass line, which it, I was listening to it in these new headphones today. It is like pitch down once and then it's pitched down again on top of it. And probably Sick. more than, oh God, it's, it's so it's so deep. It's so perfect. It's so beautiful. 90th floor. And finally, <laughs> Penthouse. Yeah. Thank Love you it. everyone for listening to the ninth episode of One Hit Wonders of the World. You can find us on Twitter where our handle is at One Hit Wondercast with the numeral one out front. And if you want, you can reach out with some impassioned emails or audio recordings. Send those to onehitwondercast at gmail.com, all spelled out, for a chance to be featured on the next episode of the show, our first two-hit wonder. Who are we going to be talking about on that one? We're going to be talking about Aha, Take On Me, and The Sun Always Shines on TV. Never heard about that second one. Oh, yeah. I have no fucking idea about that. Oh, yeah. Can't wait to hear it. You're going to learn all about it in the next episode, but until then, I've been Max and Stenstrom. I've been Trevor Ickrath. I've been Dylan Flynn. And until next time, stay wonderful.
Real, uh, real quick, maybe to open the episode, can I just have you guys both do the laugh at the same time? Because you're both very loud laughers. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You want right. to count it down? I'll count it down. Ready? I'll go one, two, three, go. One, two, three, go. <laughs> Feel good.